Welcome to the Health Fix Podcast, where health junkies get their weekly fix of tips, tools, and techniques to have limitless energy, sharp minds, and fit physiques for life. Hey, health junkies. On this episode of the Health Fix Podcast, I'm interviewing Zen Honeycutt. She's the founding executive director of the nonprofit Moms Across America. It's a national coalition of unstoppable moms with the motto, Empowered Moms, Healthy kids. Now, they are here to raise awareness about the GMOs, toxins in the food supply, and other environmental issues that pose risk to the health of our families. The organization's mission is to educate and empower mothers, but hey, we're here today to to educate and empower everyone to really get to know what you are eating. Because as Zen talks about in the podcast and what I've seen in my practice, if you can make changes to what you eat to go closest to nature and incorporate in organic foods, you will notice significant changes within your health. Zen is the author of Unstoppable, Transforming Sickness and Struggle into Triumph, Empowerment, and Celebration of Community. She's also the director of a short film called Communities Rising and the co-founder of the recently launched program called the Neighborhood Food Network, whose mission is to create a parallel food system one street at a time. And I can't tell you how important this is. So nevertheless, let's introduce you to Zen Honeycutt. Hey, health junkies, I have Zen Honeycut on, and boy, do we have some things to talk about today because I'm seeing my patients and getting sicker, and I've been in the game 18 years, and it's time to talk about folks getting sicker, their kids getting sicker, and what the heck we can do collectively to help with our own food system. So Zen, welcome to the Health Fix Podcast. Thank you so much, Janine. Thanks for all your listeners supporting you and being with you and sharing this podcast. I so appreciate it. Absolutely. This is information that is so important. And of course, you know, a lot of folks will will say to me, Doc, really, does does it really matter about my food? And I'm like, that is the number one place that we have folks getting sick. So Zen, give us a little background in terms of how you came to start studying the toxicity of our food system. What was your first tip off that something might be off? Well, the first tip off, I, you know, didn't attribute to the food supply. Like you're saying, Mm -hmm. like many of your listeners don't. My son had basically colic, you know, green stringy poo. He turns out he was allergic to milk. I was never allergic to milk when I was a kid. Um, You know, then he's allergic to nuts. Again, not something I was, you know, and all kinds of maybe 20 different food allergies, And then my second and third child also had 20 something different food allergies. And at first I just thought, you know, there was something going on with that. Maybe genetically, you know, there was something, I just was missing it. And, but I was very confused because both my husband and I did not have those types of food allergies. And then I saw a, and, and also my son almost died on Thanksgiving evening from a pecan and the stuffing. And so we avoided food. So I also just kind of avoided the issue as much as possible mm-hmm. for a long time, you know, like going to a friend's house seemed like a, a, a minefield of walnut chocolate chip cookies and, you know, nuts in, in um, Trader Joe pumpkin bread or something like that. You know what I mean? Like there could be. Yeah. And so it was a very scary issue. And I just like sort of put my head down and avoided it as much as possible for a long time and did the best we could. And then I saw a video on, on uh, f- Facebook, somebody shared, sh- shared Robin O'Brien's Ted talk on a plate, patriotism on a plate. Um, mm-hmm. 
sorry, yeah, patriotism on a plate. And I learned about genetically modified organisms. Later on, I learned about glyphosate through Jeffrey Smith and uh, Stephanie Seneff and Howard Vliger and Don Huber, like all these scientists and researchers that I started to come in contact with. And I was like, wow, this must have something to do with my kids at food allergies and their Later, they developed autism symptoms and asthma and autoimmune issues, just like millions of Americans today. And I put two and two together and realized that it's not the food and it's not my children. It's what's been done to the food. The food has changed. It is not like it was when your your mother your, was around or your mother was feeding you. It's very different. And so I learned about the food supply. I avoided GMOs at first. My son's allergies got dramatically better. And then when we went organic, my son's other son's autism symptoms went away. And my first son's allergy symptoms, for instance, his walnut uh, allergy went from a 19 down to a 0.2. So he will no longer die from food, which is not what the doctors told me. They told me that his nut allergy would get worse. I'm sure you've heard this and that it could potentially be life-threatening but that is not true. His has gotten better. And all my kids can now eat as long as it's an organic version, they can eat the dairy, the wheat, the eggs, even the nuts, uh, you know, every, they can eat anything now, as long as, um, it's organic and not filled with toxins and all of that, which we'll talk about. So in that process, I decided that more people needed to know, and then I was willing to take on leadership and do something about it. And, um, which was not what I was, my background is my background is in fashion design and being an entrepreneur, right? I have no training to run a nonprofit or to write articles about science and, <laughs> and food and all of that, but I have wonderful people on my team. And, um, and I think I have an ability to communicate what the, is going on with the food supply in a sort of unique way or a clear way that really supports people. So I'm willing to do this to transform the food industry and health in America and beyond. And I'm honored to be able to, to do this. And we have built a nonprofit that now reaches millions of people and around, you know, nationally and around the world. We've had 600 leaders that created over a thousand events in the first five years in all 50 states. Our moms are amazing and our dads, and they've sent in their breast milk to be tested for glyphosate, which we found positive in, you know, tap water, urine. We initiated the first glyphosate testing. We found glyphosate in vaccines, childhood vaccines. It was really shocking. We found glyphosate in beer and wine and orange juice. And most recently we tested school lunches and fast food, which we'll get into. And it has been a whirlwind of exposing what's going on in the food supply and also empowering people on what they can do about it. And I'm really honored to be able to do this. It's incredible work because so many parents come to me and even adults will do the testing like you had with your your children and same thing they're allergic to everything and they look at me like okay what do i do now and it's like trying to explain why it's not necessarily the food it's what is in it is incredibly tough so the testing you mentioned i want to jump into that let's talk about some of your recent findings let's talk about what you found with the fast food and even the ones that claim that they are the healthiest out there let's talk a little bit about what you've been finding give us the scoop oh my gosh dr kraus it's so disturbing so first of all last year we tested 43 school lunch samples and by the way over 40 is a statistically significant and scientifically you know important number so the epa and the fda can't just say oh it was only six samples and you know mm -hmm. ignore it so we really worked hard to raise a lot of money to be able to test 43 school lunch samples and found them to be 93% positive for glyphosate 
uh, which is a carcinogen, an endocrine disruptor, a liver causes liver disease, has been linked to childhood leukemia through animal studies. Um, it is it causes uh, the the mobility and the, the it, it has a detrimental effects four different detri detrimental effects on sperm. It actually has been shown to androgenize baby girls, make them more masculine, and uh, cause all kinds of cancers. And so that was present in ninety three percent of the school lunch samples and some at, at concerning levels. I mean, there's no safe level of glyphosate. So any glyphosate at all, um, because it's an endocrine disruptor, any even from very low levels can be very harmful. We also found harmful pesticides, 29 different harmful pesticides in 74% of the samples. We found heavy metals in 100% of the school lunch samples like cadmium and lead and uh, I believe, yeah, mercury. Mm -hmm. And uh, these are neurotoxins that can cause lifelong permanent brain damage and, um, and also cancer. And we found very low levels of minerals. And during this process, we found out that the suppliers for school lunches are primarily or often are fast food brands. Fast wow. food will have booths in their little school lunch, you know, conferences where they go and choose what food that they will have for the year for the, the you know, the school lunch directors. And it's often Domino's, Pizza Hut, you know, Del Taco, places like that. And uh, I was horrified. So when uh, the the idea came up to test fast food, I was like, hell yeah, we're going <laughs> to get to the source of it. So we raised money to test fast food for not just glyphosate and harmful pesticides and heavy metals and minerals, but also um, phthalates and industrial compounds and, um, and vitamins. And vitamins are especially important because your prefrontal cortex cannot work without pro proper levels of vitamin B. Mm -hmm. And, um, and the results were extremely disturbing. Okay. To get back up to the top, we found glyphosate in a hundred percent of the fast food samples, a hundred percent. We found, uh, the highest level of glyphosate in Panera bread and their sandwiches <laughs> and the second highest level in Arby's. And I think this is predominantly because the bread portion of the meal is, is it's like primarily made up of bread, right? The bread is a yeah. very thick portion. So that's why there were higher levels because the bread is sprayed with glyphosate, not the bread, sorry. The grains used for bread are often sprayed with glyphosate as a drying agent before harvest. So they're not genetically modified like corn and soy and sugar beets where they spray glyphosate on those crops, it kills the weeds. And then the crop keeps growing because it's genetically engineered to withstand it, right? That's called an herbicide tolerant GMO. Uh, but these are regular crops. They're conventional wheat crops. And also, you know, peas and beans and oats and barley, other types of grains are often sprayed with glyphosate as a drying agent if they are not organic in order to speed up the harvesting process. So Americans are consuming glyphosate in almost every meal that they're eating, especially if there's wheat or oats, you know, or grains in it uh, because of this drying agent uh, usage of, of glyphosate um, and also because of GMOs, right? Because corn and soy and canola and sugar beets are in like everything process that we eat. So glyphosate, that is very, very disturbing that glyphosate yeah. was found, was that present in fast food and, um, and, you know, in foods that are supposed to be considered clean, wholesome, good foods. So we're asking Panera Bread to put glyphosate on their no-no list. And we yeah. have a petition and we hope that you will go to the website and sign. We, uh, you know, we want to give it to them January 1st. So we're hoping in December to get a lot more signatures 
and to let them know that they could make a huge opportunity, you know, huge difference if they put glyphosate on their no, no, no list and tell their suppliers that they only want grains that have not been sprayed with glyphosate. I mean, they, they could, it could be gangbusters. I mean, we would tell the world about that, right? Like yes. even if it's not organic, if they're not using glyphosate and toxic grains on, on the, that bread as a drying agent, it's going to be healthier than other, other foods out there. So it will be more wholesome and good food, right? So then we found also um, harmful pesticides on 76% of the fast food samples. And the disturbing thing was that uh, we confirmed the work of the Heartland Health Research Alliance that says that if you just switch out your fruits and vegetables to organic, you'll eliminate 98% of your harmful pesticide consumption. And I'm not talking about glyphosate because that's on grains, right? I'm talking mm -hmm. about other harmful pesticides you will eliminate 98% of your consumption if you just switch your fruits and vegetables out to organic. And we saw this when we tested the Pizza Hut pizza. We tested sausage and cheese slices, and then we also tested vegetable top pizza. And the sausage and cheese, cheese pizza did not have any detectable levels of harmful pesticides, but the vegetable top pizza had over 21 parts per billion of harmful pesticides. So the harmful pesticides are coming from the vegetables. Yes. That is really concerned. So salads and ordering, you know, peppers and things like that and, and vegetables, you know, onions and things like that on top of your, it's just worse. I'm sorry, folks. Um, so yeah. then we, uh, and yeah, the highest levels, um, sorry, I don't have the, that stat off the top of my head right now, but you can look on momsacrossamerica.org at our full report. Uh, yeah. But they, they were they were very concerning levels of harmful pesticides, some like six at a time in a sample. Oh, yeah. And then we found um, heavy metals in 100 percent of the samples as well. Lead and cadmium. Now, the mercury didn't show positivity. And I think there was something wrong with the machine. And I need to get back to the lab about that because it was 100. They were 100 percent positive in the school lunch samples. So I don't know why mercury wouldn't be 100 percent positive in the fast food, but they were 100 percent positive for cadmium and lead. And the highest levels of cadmium were in In-N-Out French fries, mm. which we thought In-N-Out was going to be one of the healthiest because they do take action. They they source much better foods than a lot of other fast food places, but for some reason the cadmium was of high level. So we hope that they're going to address that and respond to us about that. We wow. also found high levels of lead in the Sonic cheeseburger, and lead is something that can accumulate in um, you know large animal meat and uh, you know through their, their bones and their meat, get into the food. And uh, again, highly carcinogenic and neurotoxic. We found also very, um, oh, we found high levels of veterinary drugs and hormones. Oh, that's the other thing we did test school lunches for veterinary drugs and hormones. Mm -hmm. And we found in, in the top 10, cause it's very expensive to test for these things. We found 40 to 60% positive for antibiotics. And one of them causes the hind legs of dogs and horses to go paralyzed at extremely low levels. And so there has been contamination problems with dog food because a lot of the makers that make, yeah. um, you know, cattle feed and chicken feed and all that, they also make dog food and, and horse food, right? They just make all of it. And then when there's contamination, it can cause that problem of the paralyzation of their back legs. And so we're wondering, what is that doing to human beings? eating that on a daily basis. You know, you see so many people with the big purple swollen legs. It also causes bloating by the way. Um, and that's what makes them eat more 
is they get bloated, the stomach expands, and then they eat more. So that's how they fatten them up faster. Basically, they're making them sick <laughs> to yeah. make them fat. Yeah. And, um, and we also found a an aviary contraceptive in the Chick-fil-A sandwich. And this is because it's an anti-parasitic. It, it treats cocositis. It's a common chicken disease, mm -hmm. but they can't give this anti-parasitic to egg-laying chickens because it will prevent them from laying eggs. They can only give it to meat birds, which are used in, you know, Chick-fil-A sandwiches and chicken nuggets and things like that. And nobody knows what an aviary contraceptive is doing to um, the American populace on a daily population on a daily basis. If they're consuming, you know, chicken from fast food places and restaurants, that's not organic. And, um, and by the way, we had a person come on our call three, she met us through TikTok. Uh, our posts have gone viral there. And yeah. she worked for on the front lines of a chicken processing plant and she processed for Chick-fil-A and also for Olive Garden. So you can assume that the chicken at Olive Garden may also have, um, you know, that may also have the same thing. And then we look back at our school lunch samples and found that four of the school lunch samples had the same aviary contraceptive. We didn't realize it at the time. We just thought it was anti-parasitic. But, you know, when doing research on these chemicals it takes a long time and we don't have enough staff or help to really, you know, do as much as we would like, but we did find that out. And that's 10% of the school's lunch samples were positive, positive for this aviary contraceptive. And three of them were chicken, but one of them was beef. So what the heck is this anti-parasitic, you know, also doing in beef? I didn't, I don't, I'm not aware yeah. if they can get this cocositis thing too, or if they use it for a different, you know, parasite in beef, but that's very concerning. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of, okay. And I'll keep going. We, we found very low <laughs> levels of minerals. For instance, if you wanted to get your proper nutrition level of copper, you'd have to eat nine servings of Chick-fil-A chicken nuggets. Copper is very important in um, the regulation of zinc and copper. You know, they need to be balanced yeah. in autism. So that's very concerning. There were no levels of vitamin B or B9 or B12 in any of the samples. And that, wow. that vitamins are essential for prefrontal cortex uh, development and processing. Like you, a person cannot make good decisions if they do not have proper levels of vitamin B. It's like, it really messes with your prefrontal, prefrontal cortex. In my opinion, everybody should be on a B complex. I mean, it's just, yeah. just from looking at the results of the food supply. Wow. Um, I'm not a doctor, <laughs> right? So well, um, <laughs> you are, thank goodness yeah. you are. Well, here's the, here's the thing though, like everything you're describing. And, and this is why when I, when I started listening to some of the podcasts that you've been on previously and, and, and researching what you you're doing, I'm like, this parallels to the T what I'm seeing in labs of my patients, the lead, the cadmium, the mercury, it, and, you know, and, and young patients of mine, in addition to the chemicals coming out when I do some of the chem talks and, and different types of screens, I mean, guys, who, those of you who are listening to this, she's not just talking crazy talk. Like this parallels exactly what docs who are testing this stuff are seeing B12 and folate. And, you know, I don't think we'll go down the methylation um, pathway of, in rabbit hole, but this is huge too for autism and, and so many things. So and many people things. with MTFHR, like I have, and I'm pretty sure my kids have, we need that methylated B vitamins mm -hmm. in order to be able to process things in our bodies and it's essential. And so, uh, you know, this is, it's, these are very scary results. You know, we found that mm -hmm. if you wanted to get your recommend, recommended daily intake of vitamin B3, again, essential in the prefrontal cortex development, um, a woman would have to eat 333 Chick-fil-A sandwiches and a man would have to eat 380. So this is what I call the high cost of cheap food. This, mm -hmm. this, this, mm -hmm. There's a very high cost. 
to people consuming this type of toxic, you know, nutrient deficient food. And it's that they think they are actually eating and feeding themselves and taking care of their bodies potentially, at least in some way, but they're really not. The lab owner said that there were actually more toxins found in this food than there were nutrients. Wow. Oh, disturbing. yeah. And, and I have to tell a story about this vitamin B situation, because this, this is what really led me to make sure we had the money. Um, and I want to say shout out, thanks to children's health defense and center Academy and moms across America supporters for teaming up together um, for some very special people donated to make sure this happened. And we really appreciate all of you. Um, so the vitamin B aspect is super important. For instance, Dr. Barbara Reed Stitt, a Lifetime Achievement Award winner, studied food for over 20 years in the late 80s, early 90s. And her studies were a year long, right, on prisons and school systems. They they were no joke. She's a very serious academic in this area and highly respected. And she showed that in the prisons, uh, the one thing, the the Crowley's criminals, serial killers, all had in common, I, I believe even the high school dropouts, they bragged that they lived on junk food. That was the one thing they all had in common. It wasn't their race. It wasn't their socioeconomic background. It wasn't that they lived in the projects, right? It was the fact that they bragged that whether rich or poor or black or white, they bragged that they lived on junk food. Like they only had soda and, you know, pizza or fast food or whatever. And they also had very low levels of vitamin Bs when they were tested. And when she switched out the foods from the processed high sugar, you know, junk food, to whole, clean, wholesome foods, which at that time, I believe would have been non-GMO and non-glyphosate sprayed, right? Because that was happening in the late nineties. That's when all that, the GMO and glyphosate sprayed right. foods started happening. Right. Um, and she found that the recidivism rate in the school, in the prison, the recidivism rate switched instead of 70% going out and coming back in, 70% went out and stayed out. Only 30% came back in. And in the school system, a school of 5,000, instead of 500 dropping out when she switched out the food, only 14 dropped out. And a significantly higher number went on to graduate from college and to be successful in lives. And other studies have shown a 37 to a 50% drop in violence in prisoners just when they got uh, supplements, you know, mineral and vitamin supplements within two weeks. And, and this mirrors an animal study out of the University of Strasbourg that I came across from a Smithsonian magazine because I was taking care of my dad in the last 18 months of his life. Uh, it was a, a due to a vaccine injury is what actually ended up killing him. And during that time, he loved to read Smithsonian magazine. And I came across an article on that about this hamster study in um, in uh, Germany that where the farmer was concerned about a decline in hamsters in his GMO. Well, he didn't say GMO, but his monocrop cornfield, right? Monocrop Mm -hmm. usually means GMO. It could be hybrid, but regardless, it means pesticides and herbicides. And this was shown by the quality of the soil. It was like sand. Mm -hmm. And when they tested these hamsters to find out why the, the population was declining, they found a very disturbing behavior. They found out that the mother hamsters were cannibalistic. They were eating their young on the first day of life. And when they tested these mother cannibalistic hamsters, they found out that they were completely devoid of guess which vitamin, vitamin B3. And when they administered vitamin B3, the cannibalistic behavior completely stopped. What does that tell you, right? That that tells us we need nutrient dense food. 
That's yeah. not raised by monocrop farming. That's not industrial farming. That's not, that doesn't make the soil like sand and completely devoid of nutrients. And so we hear this echoed from our moms. We had a mom call us from Santa Ana, low income, single mom of four kids who had a child with mental health issues. And one day the school called her and said, you need to pick up your school. I mean, sorry, you need to pick up your son. He just said that he wants to blow up the school with a bomb and kill everybody in it. And she said, well, I told you he has mental health issues and he, we need help. And so they sent him to a psychiatrist and the psychiatrist assessed him and then gave her an SSRI, an antidepressant, right? Mm -hmm. And she said, isn't there anything else we can do? And he said, well, have you thought about the food you're feeding him? What kind of food are you feeding him? She's like, well, whatever he'll eat, hot dogs, pizza, tacos, right? American standard diet. He said, have you thought about the pesticides, the GMOs, the toxins, the food dyes, the preservatives in that food? She said, no. He said, well, you either feed him organic or you give him this medication. So she decided to feed him organic. And actually rice and beans can be, you know, less than yeah. $1.65 a meal and very packed and fully and vitamins and, you know, all kinds of good food, good nutri nutrients. So she did that. And within two weeks, the school called her and said, we don't know what you're doing, but this is a completely new human being. Keep doing what you're doing. And so she called me the day after the Florida school shooting. You remember that one? Yes. And this yes. is when she called me and she said, I'm calling you because my son is now 17 and I know he could be, he would, would have been one of those kids that would have gone out and got a gun from Walmart or wherever and shot up the kids at his school. But, and that's a very hard thing for a yeah. mother to admit, yeah. but she said, but he will not do that because he's eating organic. He's working on community gardens. He's healthy. He's responsible. He's happy. He's a completely new person. And I was like, holy cow, you created a whole new future for your son by being committed to feeding him organic and avoiding all those toxins. And you created a whole new future for everybody at the school because they're not traumatized. And all of their thousands of families and friends, because they're not traumatized by a school shooting and, and, and loss of, of children. And you may even have created a new future for this entire country because who knows, he could run for office, he could create a product or a service or touch the lives of people who influence others. And that's why we're doing our work. We want people to be able to live up to their fullest potential. We feel that these toxins and the lack of political will up on the hill is robbing our children and our loved ones of their potential. And America is putting ourselves into a crisis of not only physical health, but mental health that is and will affect the, the safety and security of the future of our country and the world. I mean, when you have mentally ill illness affecting one out of five people, that includes our politicians who are yeah. making decisions with fingers on the buttons. Yeah. It, yeah. That it is a major problem to have mentally ill people elected to office. It's, it just doesn't work for the future of our country. So we need to resort, resolve this mental health issue. And I think that rather than focusing on gun laws that criminals are not going to follow anyway, right. I think our politicians should be focusing on getting safe, non-toxic, nutrient-dense food in the schools and in the hands of Americans everywhere, no matter what their socioeconomic background. You should not have to be able to afford increasingly expensive organic food in order to not have mental illness or physical physical health problems. We should have access to safe, non-toxic, nutrient-dense food. I wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly agree because I've seen, you know, what happens when we do 
change the food source for the kiddos and go organic. I think one of the things then that might be coming up for a lot of folks and something that I hear in my industry a lot, well, the these chips, um, you know, these, these particular chips that are wheat-based have a label that says non-GMO. Are they safe? And then there's the other one, which I, which I want you to talk about these and is the dirty dozen. Well, I'm eating by the dirty dozen. Aren't I, aren't I doing good enough? Explain yeah. to us why those two aren't enough. Sure. Yes. So we appreciate the non-GMO project verified very much for bringing attention to GMOs. Uh, they were really the ones that broke the, you know, sort of perception, you know, it was very exciting to see in natural products expo to walk down aisles and say non-GMO, like, oh my gosh, somebody's paying attention to this. And, you know, there's whole sections in grocery stores and labels on things. And we appreciate that. However, non-GMO project verified only means that they have tested the ingredients and verified that there are less than 0.9% of genetically modified ingredients in that food. It has nothing to do with pesticides and herbicides like glyphosate and um, or heavy metals, right? It has nothing to do with anything else except for GMOs. And the problem is, is that there are so many crops that are non-GMO like wheat and peas and beans and oats that are sprayed with glyphosate and other toxic pesticides. And so when you see non-GMO project verified, that does not mean no harmful pesticides and herbicides. It could, it could mean very high levels of harm of harmful pesticides and herbicides and heavy, heavy metals. So it's best to buy things that say non-GMO project verified and USDA organic or CCOF organic or regenerative organic or real organic project, you know, any of the other ones. However, you should know that none of those other organic brands actually test for pesticides and herbicides. They don't require it. It's it's just that they say that they're not using them and then they're, they're not allowed to in organic, right? They're not allowed to use glyphosate and um, toxic, you know, pesticides and herbicides. They use the ones that are approved for organic standards, uh, but none of them are actually testing. And that's why Moms Across America started our Moms Across America gold standard, where we would require the the uh, companies to test. And we had a couple dozen willing to do that. And then COVID hit. And uh, it, it just didn't happen and it didn't go through. And we're very sad about that because we think moms have the highest standards for what should be in, go in our kids' mouths. And we think that having a, a gold standard, you know, would be incredible, but most food companies are not willing to test their, you know, batch test at 600 to $800 to test just for one, you know, just, just for, you know, one type of pesticides. There's different types of pesticides and they have to be in categories and, it's extremely expensive, but we think that the government is, you know, printing money to hundred and what forty billion dollars now going to Ukraine, when the entire budget for the EPA is thirteen billion. Mm -hmm. You know, like, where are the priorities here? We have to feed our people non-toxic food that's not causing neurological uh, damages and endocrine disruption and cancer. I think some of that money could actually be going towards proper testing and making sure that we know what the source is of contamination. And um, we, we talked about that to the FDA and the USDA when we met with them and we had a congressional briefing after the fast food testing. Mm -hmm. And uh, we talked to them about that and they said, oh, well, we are testing, you know, the, the EPA sets the limits. So the FDA pointed the finger, the USDA pointed the finger at the, the, at the EPA. Ah. And, um, and when we met with the EPA four times, they pointed the finger at Congress. So we did a congressional briefing. They said, go to the USDA. The USDA said, 
well, the EPA sets limits, but the FDA sets the guidelines and, you know, the dietary guidelines. So we went to the FDA and went all the way around. And what they, what they basically came down to is the FDA says that the EPA sets the, the standards of the levels of pesticides, right. And herbicides and heavy metals in the food and the FDA enforces. I said, well, how do you enforce? Are you testing to see if children's, you know, the levels in children's aren't bodies aren't, isn't accumulating past a certain safe level? No, no, no. We don't test at children, right? They don't want to know what's accumulating in children's bodies, right? They just test the food and, and they, their report comes out two years after they actually get mm. the testing. And I said, well, actually I've seen those reports. I was a member of the organic product advisory committee for the secretary of agriculture in the state of California as a representative for consumers because of my position at Moms Across America. And I saw those reports and I saw that they said, oh yeah, out of 1200 samples that we tested across the nation, 98% of them were below the maximum residue level allowed of pesticides. First of all, we all know, well, we know anyway, <laughs> the maximum residue level for, for instance, glyphosate is like 30,000 parts per billion, parts per billion, 30, like 30 parts per million. It takes one parts per billion or 0.1 parts per billion, billion in some examples to cause liver or kidney disease or sex hormone changes or organ damage, right? That those maximum residue levels are completely set by the industry who just wants their the use of their chemicals to be accepted and profitable has nothing to do with human health. Okay. And then second of all, I looked at what pesticides were they testing for? And I got a list from them of what they're testing for the, the federal government and the California government agencies. And then I asked for a list of what are the top 25 most widely used pesticides and guess how many were on the list that they were testing for. The federal government was testing for two of the top 25 most widely used. And the California government was testing for three of the top 25 most widely used. So for them to say 98% of the samples that we tested were below that maximum residue level uh, is completely misleading to the American public that the food supply is safe. Because first of all, the maximum residue level is ridiculously high. And second of all, they're only testing for two or three of the pesticides that are most widely used. They're not testing for them. So, you know, this is a classic example of the monkey covering his eyes. You know, I'm not going to see what's there. And so then I don't have to do anything about it. And it's infuriating. It's absolutely infuriating that our regulatory agencies paid by our tax dollars put in place by our elected officials are perpetrating fraud on the American people by telling them the food supply is safe when it is not. It is poisoning us, it's killing us, it's toxic. And we can attribute the majority of the Western diseases, over 40 Western diseases to glyphosate alone. And we can also link mental health issues, addictions, homelessness, violence, school shootings, pretty much all the problems that are going on in America right now to the toxins in the food supply. So this is why it's infuriating for me when I see, you know, millions and millions of hundreds of millions of dollars going to nonprofits to sort out, you know, addiction or homelessness, right? Very big issues. Huge. But nonprofits like mine working on a dimes, you know, pennies and dimes to get something done about addressing the cause of these issues. Like, did you know that when you go to an AA meeting and they serve 
coffee. It can be laden with pesticides. When they serve cake, that wheat could have hundreds of parts per billion of glyphosate in it. And that glyphosate is going to destroy the beneficial gut bacteria. This has been proven and it it destroys the beneficial gut bacteria and allows for the proliferation of the pathogenic gut bacteria. It destroys the stronghold of where the hormones are, such as serotonin, that is regulates how content you are. Yeah. Meaning, have you eaten enough, uh, you know, fatty foods? It, it, and if you don't have serotonin, then you're going to say, no, I need more. Have you watched enough porn? No, they're going to want you, that person's going to want to watch more, you know, drink alcohol, take drugs, uh, anger, you know, like endorphins from like anger or dopamine from anger or watching horror movies, right? Your body is not going to feel satiated if you don't have enough serotonin in your gut and glyphosate is instrumental in destroying that your body's ability to do that. So when you are addicted to something and you continue to eat glyphosate spray grains, you're not, you're not eating organic you are not helping yourself and getting over that addiction. You are working against yourself. You can pray to God all you want to remove that will, you know, to, to remove that desire yeah. to, to uh, drink alcohol or take drugs. But if, if you are consuming non-organic food with glyphosate in it, you are working against yourself and against God's will, apparently, you know? Um, so yeah. I'm very passionate about this, as you can tell. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. You know, I, I, for so long, you know, preach the food, preach the food and people roll their eyes or people will tell me like, no, you know, all those tests, the government wouldn't, you know, lie to us. Um, you know, they, they wouldn't cover up things. You know, people people really do fight this on me. And and the biggest thing that I would agree with you is we've created an addiction within the food from, you know, the flavors. But not only that, the biggest addiction, I think, too, is like we're all like heat seeking missiles to the glyphosate. We just keep going back for more. And you mentioned the bloating with the animals. So many women in my practice will tell me, Doc, I'm eating clean. I'm not losing weight. And I go back to like, okay, you're eating everything, you know, more or less at home, but yet you're, you still got your bread. You still got your crackers. We yeah. Still got glycogen. And especially if they're not organic, they yeah. are going to cause a lot of problems. And a lot of people, because of what's been done for the food, they really need to cut gluten out altogether for a while, at least for their gut to heal. And when I tell people this, they really don't like it because the gluten-free options are also not organic in most cases. And then, so you could be also be consuming glyphosate there. So eating any kind of, you know, it really needs to be organic, ancient grains or gluten-free for most yeah. people now um, in order for their gut to tolerate it. And it can't be 80, 20. I'm so yeah. sorry. And as a practitioner, I hope you say this when there's a fire, a campfire, you do not put a teaspoon of fuel on it to help it go out. You can't do the 80, 20, you have to stop putting fuel on it altogether. And when you do that, which I did with my, with my sons, when you go hundred percent cold Turkey, organic, gluten-free, sugar-free, that kind of stuff that gives your gut a chance to heal. You've, we've got holes in our small intestines, Leaky gut is happening to my doctor. My child's doctor told us pretty much every child in America Ever, has yeah. gut now. And your kids are just lucky that they have a mom that found that out. And, and when I learned about BT toxins, the GMOs that cause the holes in the stomach of the bugs to explode because it creates so many toxins, I was like, oh, well, there we go. There's leaky gut. <laughs> it's been eating these GMOs for, you know, 17 years or my child at the time bite for nine years causing holes in the, you know, the small intestines, causing out of food particles to get out through those holes. And then the body sees that foreign food particle that has not been digested, right? It's just in the blood system, 
because of the holes. Oh, it's a foreign invader. Attack it. Oh, now we have 20 different food allergies, you know, a hundred different food intolerances, things like that. You know, it's like these kids that can't eat anything. Well, it's because they have holes in their small intestines due to these GMOs. Yes. It yeah. is important. The 20% that you eat can cause those types of problems. So it's really important to eat organic as much as possible. And if you do, you will start to see changes in your sleep and your behavior and your mood within days, definitely within weeks. And uh, within a couple of weeks, you could feel like a new person, just as, as the example I told you, within a couple of weeks. So I really urge you to do that. Now, could there be some contamination of organic? Yes, there's you know rain, there's drift, there's water, you know all of that. But if you stay away from processed organic foods like protein powders, that's where there's been fraud, you know, like oh, like yes. fraudulently labeled soy or peas. Um, stay away from the the protein powders and uh, go for whole organic local foods as much as possible. Even if it's not labeled organic, if you know the farmer and you know that he's not feeding, you know, the animals GMO glyphosate sprayed grains or using glyphosate on the crops and other toxic chemicals then um, you you really are setting yourself up for success when you do that. Absolutely incredible to know your farmers. That is probably the best thing that you know folks could do to get started. And then the next, which I want to talk about, is the Neighborhood Food Network, because this is something that when I lived in Colorado, we were starting to help folks to learn how to grow on their own, even in little planter boxes, just to start. And then moving from there to a community uh, hoop house types of gardens to kind of help with a network of solid food. Tell us a little bit about creating a parallel food system one street at a time, because I really think that this is a, a, a cost effective, but huge way to help folks remove some of those barriers, like you said, with cost, but also to see firsthand how the food's grown, what's going on, because I'm to the point where I, I will I make sure I, I grow all of my vegetables and my one fruit, my apples at this point. Um, so give us the scoop there and, and tell us all about that. Oh, it's so exciting. Well, we, we decided we wanted to focus on the solution because the, you know, federal government is taking forever, you know, decades in order to make changes. And also when COVID happened, we realized, you know, if the stuff hits the fan, our social media network is not going to be there to support us and help us. It's only going to be your neighbor's. Uh -huh. that will be there to support you or help you or you vice versa. Right. And, um, and it only takes nine missed meals, according to preppers for a person to resort to violence, to feed their family. And as a mom, I would say five, you know, so you yeah. got, you got about a day and a half before somebody's going to start raiding your basement, you know what I mean? At night to try to get food. And it, it doesn't matter how many guns you have. If, if, that happens really, it really, it really doesn't. It's like a very scary situation. And I don't like thinking about that. I don't like thinking in that way. So what I like thinking about is partnership and people supporting each other and working together. So if you get to know your neighbors now, which a lot of preppers, that's the first thing they say, get yeah. to know your neighbors right now. Um, get to know your neighbors, even if there doesn't, isn't a catastrophe ever, which I hope not will ever happen. But when you get to know your neighbors, awesome things happen. You really can uh, connect with them on new ways. I met neighbors. They have alpacas. They're <laughs> adorable. They're like giant teddy bears. They're growing food that we, we're, we, you know, we swap some food and, um, and, you know, they hire my kids to work for them. Like, you know, we, somebody gave us some art, we exchange, you know, different things happen when you get to know your neighbors that are, that's really wonderful. Now, might you have some neighbors that are jerks? You might, but if you come to add somebody with a basket full of peaches or apples, 
to, to share with them. They're not going to care if you're, you know, had issues in the past. They're not going to care if you're Republican or Democrat or vaccinated or unvaccinated. They're going to see food and you're going to come together and, and, um, and it's going to be a beautiful thing. So we encourage people to start growing food in their backyards, their rooftops, their porches, their front yards, anywhere you can to start growing food. It really isn't that hard. You, it, I mean, I know it's, it can be complicated. There will be failures. There will be successes. There will be bugs. There will be weeds. <laughs> um, but when you hold up your first like yellow squash, like I did, like <laughs> H-Rophy, um, you will, you will feel like king of the world. It is, it is really amazing to grow juicy, delicious tomatoes and walk out into your garden and pick kale and spinach for your morning smoothie. I mean, it is the best. So, uh, and then you will always have more than enough, right? Especially if you grow zucchini, <laughs> you will be, you will be hiding zucchini in your neighbor's front seats if they leave their cars unlocked, right? Like you will be giving away zucchini. So, so do that, right? Grow more food than you need and share with your neighbors. And you will eventually, we could eventually create an, a parallel food system where we don't need to be buying processed food from the grocery store because we can walk in our backyard, harvest potatoes, sweet potatoes, zucchini, kale, onions, garlic, and make a fabulous stir fry or a casserole with everything from our backyard. You know, now as some people don't have room for chickens, some people don't have room for pigs or beef care, you know, cattle. So you, if you eat meat or fish, you, you are going to have to source from other places. And we strongly encourage you to source locally and organizations like the Weston A. Price Foundation have, has um, sources for how to get local food. And at Moms Across America, we're going to be starting up things like cooking clubs and book clubs and hopefully grandma mentorship program. Uh, we have a new volunteer that's going to be starting up this type of thing. And we have a, a new partner in Dr. Michelle Gamble, who has a, a nonprofit called It Takes a Village. And they do the same type of thing. They have, they create healing, uh, sorry, natural healing communities around the world. Oh, and wow. so they encourage their supporters, men or women, uh, but we, they do have a women's healing circle program that we're going to be adopting and sharing and doing in partnership with them. And the women are encouraged to source, you know, meats locally and, and dairy locally mm -hmm. and share those resources with the moms and the women in that group. And, um, and we just think that should be happening everywhere. If somebody, you know, loses their ability to produce breast milk, they should be connected with somebody in their local community for goat milk or for other women who can donate breast milk, right? We should not be dependent on the government's baby formula that contains GMOs and glyphosate and toxic chemicals to put into our children's body. We should be, you know, completely connected to our community to be able to resolve those type of problems. So that's what we're we're doing through the neighborhood food network and we're happy to you know report that some people like Carol Gravey one of our board members started it in um in plateau in california and has over i think 70 or 80 members now and she says it's the best thing that she ever did in her community because she is sharing you know exchanging squash for potatoes and raspberry bushes for you know peach jam and like she's getting every week especially during harvest season she's meeting new people and connecting with people in her community and really feels um you know safer and happier in her community because of the neighborhood food network you know that just alone creating a community now you've got friends right now you've got the trade system i love what you're saying about that i i I live in the middle of central Wisconsin, 
it is a high like farming community. I see the negatives, right, of the glyphosate. I watch them spray it on the crops to watch it dry. I've seen it. A lot of folks tell me like, oh, they just say that. No, I've seen it come out to the farmland. You know, you can see it firsthand. But the other part that's so beautiful is everybody with their gardens and everybody being like, yo, do you guys got carrots? What about parsnips? And everybody's trading. It creates an, a great sense of connection. And you, you guys are doing it. Are you in California? Is that where, where you are? I used to be. I lived in okay. California for 20 years, lived in Connecticut, New York before that. But now I live in Asheville, North Carolina. Oh, nice. Uh, no GMO farms here, really, because it's too hilly. And uh, lots of small farmers, lots of farm to table, lots of organic at our farmer's markets. And I grow uh, most of the fruits and vegetables that we well, not fruits, the vegetables that we eat during, um, you know, the, the summer season, which is wonderful. And, and I just highly encourage people to go to the neighborhood food network and go to also momsacrossamerica.org or.com and sign up for our newsletter. And you'll get alerted to our mom, our mom's connect call on Monday nights at 7 PM Eastern time. You, you can be live with me in person, ask questions of me or of Ann Temple, who's the co-founder of the Neighborhood Food Network at 730. Sometimes we have a Neighborhood Food Network guest on, especially during growing season, you know, for yeah. what you can do in your garden. And we really encourage you to come on. And we always have guests that teach us something too. You know, we'll have a doctor or a scientist or a health coach or somebody pop on the call and share some nuggets of wisdom. And so every call is different. It's not a show. It's just a discussion. And some people tell us it's their shot of inspiration every week. Yeah. You know, it's the way they feel empowered. So we are proud of that. And we hope that you will uh, come on the calls and and find out. So it's neighborhoodfoodnetwork.com and it's momsacrossamerica.org or.com and you sign up for our newsletter. And please also donate if you can. We would really appreciate more monthly donors. We're going to be having a program for that uh, launched in January with a cooking club and a book club and hopefully a grandma mentor program. So if you're interested in any of those things and volunteering, we would super appreciate that. We've had just an onslaught of volunteers, you know, tell us they want to help and over the past month. And I, I need help with helping the volunteers. <laughs> so, you know, we could use more support in that area too. And we want to test more foods. We want to test gluten-free food because we think if it's the ingredients are not organic could be higher in glyphosate than what we would like to see and military food and children's hospital food, infant baby formula. I mean, there are so many things that we want to test further because the government is not doing their job and they're not protecting us. And we think it's time for moms and dads and citizens to stand up and say, we can do better. We need access to safe, non-toxic, nutrient-dense food and we need it now. It's a matter of national security. So we hope you'll join us. And uh, we hope to see you on the Moms Connect calls on Monday nights. Love it, Zen. I'll be there. I love this. I love it. It's so close to my mission as well for all of my patients and of course, all of my podcast listeners. So you threw out a lot of information. And so guys, I'm going to have that at drjkrausnd.com. It's going to be in the show notes. And we're definitely going to make sure that folks head over to momsacrossamerica.org. And you guys, there's a petition that that Zen needs some help up until let's see, we've got the end of the year. So we need to get that petition, some, some signatures on there. So let's get everybody over there and let's make some real change and really a, a matter of national security for all of us. You guys, this is huge stuff. Zen, thank you so much for coming on. I sincerely appreciate all you are doing for helping all of us. Thank you, Dr. Krauss, for having the courage to speak up about this. Not many doctors do. And um, I really appreciate all your patients that support you because that makes a huge difference for everyone. My pleasure. We're going to keep fighting. 
Hey, fellow health junkie, thanks for listening to the Health Fix Podcast. If you enjoyed tuning in, please help support me to get the word out about the podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review, and just get that word out. Thanks again for listening.